to the Homeschool Works podcast, the show where we break down the research from the fields of neuroscience, psychology, and education to give you tangible takeaways to power your homeschool. I'm Katherine Gomes, a second-generation homeschooler and author of Apologia's Exploring Creation with Mathematics program, and I'm joined by my mom, Dr. Deborah Bell, an author, speaker, educational psychologist, and homeschool guru. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We have another skinny for you today. In this shorter episode, I chat with my mom about focused and diffuse modes of thinking. This one has been wonderful for me to use as I teach students math. And we're going to explain what those two different modes are and how you can use them um, and your child can use them to learn more effectively. How are things going at your house today? Doing well. We're doing well. How about you? Good. I don't have a lot of interruptions at my house. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't jinx it over here. So far, it's very quiet. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Good. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. All right. So uh, you're going to talk to us today about focused versus diffuse modes of thinking. And I, as I've told you, I don't really know very much about these concepts, but I think that you've done more of a deep dive into it and used it in your classes. You want to bring us up to speed? Sure. Yeah. So I learned about focus and diffuse mode from Dr. Barbara Oakley. She wrote A Mind for Numbers, and then she's done online courses. And it really just really helped me understand the way our brain works and how to use our brain most effectively. Um, So our brain has two modes of thinking, focus mode and diffuse mode. You're in one or the other, and each mode uh, works better for certain types of thinking. So focus mode is probably the most obvious one. It's when you're doing a focused task, and math is a great kind of example of this. If you've learned a math lesson and you are about to do the practice problems, and they're all kind of the same type of problems, and you know the steps, and you just want to power through them, that's focused mode. And you do best in focus mode without distractions, uh, with quiet, with your phone not chiming, um, nobody interrupting you. You can really have a great block of time to just complete that task. I also go into focus mode when I'm writing, uh, especially if I'm, if I'm like kind of deep into edits or thinking through how to write a new lesson for Apology of Math. That's another example of focus mode. Diffuse mode is sort of when you're kind of at rest. Uh, You're doing something mindless is how I sort of think about it. When you're in diffuse mode, you're not focused on one particular thing. Your brain is a little more bounced around, but you can have creative ideas more easily in diffuse mode. So a lot of times... um, People say like, I got an idea in the shower or I I was on a walk and suddenly I thought, oh, this is how to solve that math problem. That's most likely because they were in diffuse mode. So if you can learn how to help your students or you yourself shift between the modes effectively, you can really um, sort of power your learning. This So this all seems like this falls under the category of attention. Yes, I think it is related to that topic. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a finite amount of attention um, 
that we can use for cognitive activities. And I think what you're saying is some different tasks require or are better suited for focused mode or diffused mode. Exactly. And we as parents and teachers, we should, we should recognize what is, what is called for in the learning context we have our kids in, right? Yes, exactly. And um, they did some research on how long uh, adults can effectively research, uh, not research, can effectively focus. And that produced something called the Pomodoro method. Um, the Pomodoro method is just a method of setting a timer for 25 minutes when you want to do a task. And we have matching hourglasses because of this, Mom. <laughs> now I understand why you sent these to me. They're beautiful. Yeah, so listeners, I have an hourglass that's it's actually 30 minutes because they didn't have a 25-minute one. But for it to be perfect, it should be 25 minutes. So when they researched, they found that 25 minutes was sort of the sweet spot for focusing and working on a task. But then at that point, you need a break. And mm. just a five-minute break can reset your brain. Now, to use the Pomodoro method correctly you have to have no interruptions. So you have to silence your phone. Even the ping of a message and you know there's a text can throw it off. Um, I always introduce this to my high school students. I should say it's just geared towards adults. I don't know like how it translates to young students, but I've used this effectively with my high schoolers and even my middle schoolers with maybe some modifications of telling them to sit down 20, 25 minutes, set a timer. You're not allowed to do anything but your math during that time. And you're just able to focus tremendously. And then when the timer goes off, you have to get up and do something to get your brain to switch to diffuse mode. And then you can do another session, but it's just letting your brain focus really well and then giving it a break. Um, this makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I think it probably works with your middle schoolers and your high school kids if if they are in the midst of adolescence, like if puberty has kicked yeah. in. I would think it might be different with younger children. And I think uh, that getting up and walking around or going outside and getting fresh air, all of that um, is resetting the brain. It's refreshing the the brain. And so it's probably now ready for another challenging task. Or it allows you to make a connection because remember diffuse mode is when you get creative uh, ideas and this works so well. It astounds so the me. Going outside and taking a break puts you into diffuse mode where you, yes. you should be uh, expecting or anticipating that you might be able to solve the problem or you might get a creative idea. Exactly. Oh. So this happens to me all the time. Right now I'm I'm doing edits for the sixth grade level of apology and math. So I'll just use that as an example. I'll sit down, I set my 25 minute timer. I also tell myself in terms of motivation, you have to work on this for 25 minutes. You're not allowed to do anything else. But at the end of 25 minutes, you get to take a break. And I'll get stuck on something. Maybe there's an uh, a mathematical idea. I'm not sure how to communicate. Or I don't know how to, you know, introduce something and I'll be stuck and I'll stop after 25 minutes and I'll be folding laundry or whatever. And I'll bing, I'll have a, a fresh way, a fresh thought. Oh, I could just do this. I don't need to do it. Um, 
that way. I mean, this just happened where I needed a picture of fruit so that kids could work on ratios. And I was so stuck on trying to find that picture of fruit. And then when I was folding laundry, I was like, I could take the picture. <laughs> and I went downstairs and I got our fruit and I just made the picture instead. Of, but I was so, you know, uh, looking for pictures instead of thinking in a different way. Hi, folks, this is Deborah. I want to tell you about Katie's elementary math curriculum, Exploring Creation with Mathematics, published by Apologia. I know this is a proud mama speaking, but I think this math program will be a game changer for your family. Katie showed a very early interest in math. Unfortunately, that was not a strong suit of our homeschool, and she pretty much had to figure out how to do math without much help from me. So Katie knows firsthand what a challenge teaching math can be for homeschool parents. It is her passion to fix that for you while inspiring your kids to love math the way that she does. Her program is grounded in the latest math education research and a solid understanding of homeschool reality. Your kids will love the bright colors, the games, the hands-on activities, and science-based unit projects. You're going to love the easy-to-follow, step-by-step illustrated lessons, abundant reproducibles, and a wonderful answer key with parent-friendly teaching notes and images of student pages with answers filled in. Find out more and download a sample at Apologia.com. You know, I think this is very fascinating. I'm especially attracted to the diffused mode because I love that experience of having ideas pop into my mind. And I've always wondered, like, how does that happen? And can you kind of make that happen? Or is it just random? But I think now you're suggesting that there's some research to show, like, these are the preliminaries. Like if you want to have those creative outbursts, if you're a creative person, then you need to be in focus mode for 25 minutes. And I love that it's 25 minutes because that seems very attainable. Like right. you, even if you said like you could exercise for 25 minutes or do math for 25 minutes. <laughs> I could do anything for 25 minutes. Yeah. I think a lot of kids would say they could do something they don't really enjoy for 25 minutes. And then you, uh, then you do this break, but when you come back from the break, you kind of maybe debrief about what they thought about or what came to mind. I'm just curious whether or not you can kind of accelerate your own creativity by trying this Pomodoro method, which I think you're using it with your math students to help them with that focused um, part of it, I, I assume. Though maybe does anything you're come out of the diffuse? I mean, I think you're onto something. I think you can foster creativity, right? You can create an environment in your life where you're more likely to have creative ideas. And especially as you learn about yourself, you can start to think, well, I often have a great idea while I'm running or while I'm exercising. Or I know for me, like being in nature, I know we've talked about this, it's sort of 
breathes fresh air, fresh ideas into my mind. Um, so I think you can work with your students of like, what helps you be creative? Maybe they're writing a research paper or writing a story. And so it's not just the focus mode there we're trying to protect, but it's also helping them get into diffuse mode so they can have, you know, uh, a fun insight to add to that story. And it's not just rote, something like that. Uh, so how does the diffuse mode maybe apply to something like math or science, which requires a great deal of focus for many of the skills and content that we're trying to teach. Yeah. So in mathematics, focus mode is going to be your powerhouse for the skills that you're learning day by day in the lessons. Diffuse mode is sort of, uh, in my opinion, what you're using to help you on the creative problem solving or um, the, the, you know, the, the math problems where you could approach it in different ways. So you don't really need diffuse mode on an SAT math problem. On an SAT math problem, you need to remember how you're supposed to solve that problem. There's not a lot of creativity. But in like problem solving, which is when you can solve the same problem in different ways, mo many kids need to go into diffuse mode after one focus session, because it might take them a couple different tries to have it click. Oh, this is how I would do it. I think it would be similar in science. You're not really using diffuse mode, you know, for recall or reading the content, but diffuse mode might help you have that creative idea for your science project or think about, oh, here's an example of where that occurs. Here's how I could represent that on a diagram, something more along those lines. And I think it's important for parents to, to understand that this diffused mode, which produces creative insight and <clears throat> an array of, of ideas for how you might solve a problem, is very valuable in math and science, like real mathematics, Katie, the kind that I remember you being so drawn to was uh, where you had a variety of different ways to solve a problem. Um, or the same in science, it's, you know, learning how to problem solve. So the kind of math skill we're measuring on the SAT is just to get a kind of a marker of, is this kid college ready? I would, I think, but it's not really what is valuable in mathematics. Am I correct? Yeah, you're correct. So um, you need to have a certain level of competent competency in mathematics to ever be creative. And so what they're measuring on standardized tests and things like that is like, are you competent in mathematics? Do you have the basic knowledge of what's accepted as high school math? Like you can do, do this, mm -hmm. that, and that's what they're measuring. And, and they're upfront about that's what they're measuring. They're not trying to measure creativity. But you're right. True mathematics, you get to have some personality. Each mathematician um, is going to sort of show their math in different ways, use different strategies, get to solutions in different ways, prove things creative, creatively. And that's where it really gets interesting. And that's sort of the real mathematics because the other stuff you're learning has already been discovered. You're just learning how to use it. But you don't get to have your own style. So I'm very passionate about students having their own style, their own creativity, but that translates to other subjects as well. Like I'm thinking about writing. We're not really trying to have our kids follow a formula. They learn, I mean, you're going to chime in, right? Because this is your expertise, but they learn a, a formulaic structure maybe at first, but then at some point we want them to have that, well, here's how I'm going to open this paragraph, or I think it'd be more interesting at this fact. 
so they would be in diffuse mode for those kinds of insights as well. Yeah, I like to think of the different uh, forms of writing and the processes we teach as like the training wheels. And then once the training wheels come off your kid's bike, they can do all kinds of new things that you, you, they can do wheelies and and they can do, um, they can go much faster. There's just all kinds of things they could do once those training wheels come off. uh, That I think is what, is what happens in almost any subject, whether it's writing or it's math or it's science. Like, well, here's the basic structure. You have to kind of master these rudimentary skills, but then we really want you to, I mean, I think that's what, 21st century learning is all about is giving our kids the foundation they need, uh, but then letting them know like, okay, make it your own. Let's find your strengths. Let's find ways in which you can add to our knowledge in whatever discipline you decide to pursue in, in new and unique ways. Yeah. So I think a great way to apply this, if you have a middle school or a high schooler, is to have them use a timer and try it. And and this pairs with other ideas like spaced repetition, where if they have multiple sessions in the week, they can do just one 25-minute or two 25-minute blocks and be done Mm -hmm. with that subject for the day. I also would say to parents, try it yourself. You might be amazed, like, you know, you have to plan a co-op class or there's something you need to do that's cognitively demanding. Set a timer, put your phone away, and just see it it really works. So... Well, I think the other thing too, I would I would think you'd want to think about is like so often we tend to divide up our day into hour slots, and I think this twenty five minutes really means that you are breaking and you are changing and shifting and moving to something else, even if it's within the same subject. Like maybe you're doing history, but it's not okay. We're it's probably unreasonable to think that any student, including an adult is going to do the same approach, the same task to a hit in a history lesson right. for, for 60 minutes, that basically 30 minutes and we've got to pivot to something else. That's true. That's all we have for you today. You can find my mom, Dr. Deborah Bell at DebraBell.com. And you can find Catherine on Facebook at Catherine M. Gomes or on Instagram as Homeschool Math Mom. Her math books and my homeschool planners are available at Apologia.com. If you have a moment, please review our podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. It makes a big difference in other homeschoolers finding us. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you've got this.